Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beers podcast. I'm Perry Morgios alongside my co-host, Ryan Swimmer. Swin, how are we doing today? What's up? What's up? Um, so before we get to this episode, we're going to start off with a little trivia. Last week, uh, Swin gave me trivia, so this week, it's my turn to give him trivia. But Swin, so we're going to keep it uh, Super Bowl-related. It's Super Bowl week. And... Brock Purdy is trying to become the fifth quarterback to win a Super Bowl in his first two years as a starter. So what I mean as a starter, right? For example, Jordan Love's in his fourth year in the NFL, but he's in his first year as a starter. So Brock Purdy is trying to become the first quarterback to win, an, the fifth quarterback to win the Super Bowl in his fifth year in the NFL. And sorry, this is there's a lot of numbers flying around. Brock Purdy is trying to become the fifth quarterback to win a Super Bowl in his second year in the NFL, not as a starter. Jordan Love's in his first year as a starter, but he's in his fourth year in the NFL. So if that makes sense. So I got he's it. trying to become the fifth one. Can you name the other four? And I'll give you two hints to start off with. The All four instances have happened in the past 30 years, and two are from the AFC and two are from the NFC. Uh, Mahomes. Mahomes is not. Because he sat oh. out the first year, and then he started where he lost to the Patriots, and then he won the Super Bowl. So third year. Oh, I gotcha. All right, Brady. Brady's on there. Brady's right? one. Brady's one. Terry Bradshaw has he was that thirty? Terry years Bradshaw's ago? a good guess, uh, but no. Am I too far past thirty? Thirty. Yeah, years thirty there? years. So since nineteen ninety four, give or take. Okay. Okay. All right. I was a little far off. Um. So I got one in the one more in the AFC, two and in the, the NFC. Two in the NFC, yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is an answer. That's correct. Russell Wilson is one of the guys. Okay. This is okay. Thirty years, huh? Um man, 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 man. One guy's before Brady and one guy's in between Brady and Wilson. Okay. Um. Jeez, this is not easy. No, it's a tough question. One guy before Brady. Let's see what we got here. Troy Aikman. No, good guess. Is the is the AFC guy before or after Brady? AFC guys after Brady. Is it Big Ben? Big Ben. And then they got the NFC guy before Brady. Is it Brett Favre? No. The NFC guy who was before Brady. Man. Man, this is not... You, you really got me today. You want the answer? Hold on, Kurt. Is it Kurt Warner? Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. So there it is. So Purdy's trying to join Warner, Brady, uh, Roethlisberger, and Wilson to win his first two years, uh, to win Super Bowl in his first two years in the NFL. So kind of interesting, and that kind of leads us in because we're going to start with the Super Bowl here. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of Super Bowl before heading um, into some other big topics. In the NFL, but we're gonna head run through some storylines, X factors for each teams, uh, before eventually getting to our favorite prop bet, and then later our predictions 
and Super Bowl MVP. So let's start with some storylines because I think that the biggest storyline right now um, is probably can the Chiefs become a dynasty, right? Some people say they're a dynasty right now. I personally disagree with that. Um, I, I think, you know, you think about the greatest dynasties in sports and they've all won three championships in four years. And I think that's kind of, you know, what it takes. The Patriots won three in four years. The Cowboys won three in four years. The Steelers won three in four years. The Niners won three, you know, so on and so forth. Um, they're trying to become the first team to repeat since the Patriots in 0-3-0-4. Swin, just your thoughts on the entire, you know, dynasty argument. Because I think if if the Chiefs do win this game, they're going to definitely, in my opinion, be a dynasty. You know, and I, I remember uh, texting you a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, you know, this might be something we want to put on Ryan's rants because, you know, people are saying, those, you know, people are throwing the word dynasty around quite quite loosely. And one reason I didn't bring it up is I don't want to jinx him and win another Super Bowl because I agree. I say if you win three out of four, you're a dynasty. And, and you know, as a Patriots fan, that hurts me to say. And it's an exclusive yeah. group. It's not, it's not easy to get into, but, I mean, if, if they win here, then I can officially live with people calling them a dynasty. Yeah, I mean, the whole two Super Bowl argument doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, there'll be plenty of time to discuss the GO conversation, which is one I, I just really don't want to have today. Um, but, you know, teams have won two Super Bowls in kind of a five-year span. The Giants did it when they beat the Patriots twice. Um I believe the Steelers did it in this century as well when they beat the Seahawks and then later on the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So, I mean, two Super Bowls in five years has happened. And it happens, I wouldn't say quite often, but it happens, you know, relatively often, I think would be the best way to put that. Um, but three Super Bowls in four years is so hard to do because it's so hard to repeat. That's why it hasn't happened in the NFL since 03 or 04. Um and I don't know when the last time it's happened. I mean, the I know the Warriors repeated um, once, I believe. And then before that, it was the Lakers. And then, you know, if you go to baseball, it's pro. I believe it's the Yankees. Um, Swin, you might know baseball a little better than me, but I believe the Yankees are the last team to repeat. And they repeat. I mean, they obviously had that three-peat. But it, it's, it's so hard to repeat. And that, that's what makes the dynasty such a word that you can't really throw around lightly. No, absolutely. And I think that the repeat, that word is key, right? I mean, let alone winning and, and, you know, and, and three, three out of four years, it's impressive regardless, but I think it's more impressive to win back to back, to be quite Agreed. honest with you, just, Agreed. just how tough that is to do. And, you know, have a, in a sense, you have a target on your back that next year after you win. And, and, you know, people, to say people play extra hard, I mean, I know that's, that's not really how it works, but it's true. People put more effort in to knock off the champs. That's just how sports works. It's unfortunate, but that's how it is. And, and, and so I feel like, you know, the Chiefs got to come out hard, and I think the 49ers got to play even harder because – they they want it, and, you know, the 49ers want to get over the hump as well. But, I mean, obviously, you hear, you heard Mahomes. He doesn't mind being the villain, and he'd turn into a super villain if he pulls this off. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Mahomes there. Let's go into the quarterback um, 
kind the quarterback matchup here with mystery relevant Brock Purdy, which we've heard you know a million times, versus Patrick Mahomes. Clear advantage for the Chiefs. Um, but what does Brock Purdy need to do to win this game? And I know this will tie in a little bit later, but um, just in terms of that standpoint. I've said it pretty much all postseason, but I've said it for the Lions. Ball security. Be smart with the ball. Take what's open. You have to yeah. limit turnovers. You have to limit picks, fumbles, whatever. You you cannot. You pretty much have to play perfect football, especially in a Super Bowl, because every mistake could be a turning point in that game, and that's that's something you got to take care of. Because usually the loser is whoever throws more picks. Yeah, and and you know Jalen Hurts had that great game last year in the Super Bowl, and he had that costly fumble. Um, later in the game, that and uh, I believe that was return for a touchdown. But I think you know me personally. I know a lot of other people have been kind of waiting on this. I've been waiting for Brock Purdy to kind of you know what lose himself, lose his composure, be all over the place. And we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen it outside maybe that Baltimore game. I don't know. Um, but this is like the. It's the biggest stage he's going to play on. Can he not, you know, wet his pants in this game? That's the key. Can he stay composed? Can he, I don't want to call him a game manager, but can he just get the ball out to his playmakers? Let McCaffrey in open space. Let Debo in open space. Get Ayuk open and get Kill open. Can he do that efficiently without getting not just turnovers, but negative plays? Sacks in key moments. Can he not get sacked out of field goal range? Can he throw the ball when he's supposed to? All that's I'll throw the ball out of bounds when he's supposed to, scramble when he's supposed to. All of those things that we've seen Patrick Mahomes do on this stage. And Patrick Mahomes, I believe, is has like a five touchdowns, four picks in the Super Bowl. So he's not great in Super Bowls from a pure statistics point. Obviously, he's been clutch um, in two Super Bowls now. But that's the key. Bro, I don't think Brock, I think you would agree with this. Brock Purdy doesn't need to outplay Patrick Mahomes to win this game. But he needs to no, be absolutely good. not. Right, and, and and one key thing I have uh, for for Brock Purdy and Mahomes does this so well is he makes plays out of broken plays. Most quarterbacks, you know, when they're all covered and they get flushed out of the pocket, they throw it out of bounds. If Brock Purdy can hold on to it for that second longer and try to make a play to even like avoid throwing it away and just pick up a couple yards, that's going to be crucial in the in 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 a road to their victory. Absolutely, and let's flip let's flip topics to the coaching matchup because we've seen and before this season I ranked the head coaches and I had Andy Reid and Sean McVay in my top three along with uh, Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan excuse me in my top three along with Sean McVay. Andy Reid has won twice on the stage again, kind of a guy that melted at the end of that Super Bowl against the Patriots in 04 when he was with the Eagles. Awful clock management. They've got Kyle Shanahan. A really, quite frankly, historic choker. You had the offensive coordinator during the 2083, um, and then they blew a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs in 2019 when Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. How big of an advantage is it for Andy Reid to be on the sideline for the Chiefs versus Kyle Shanahan to be on the sideline for the Niners? Because I think we would both agree Kyle Shanahan probably is the best offensive scheme in the NFL. We've seen so many teams try and replicate it. But... His game day, you know, tactics kind of warrant um, a little conversation, a little doubt if you're a Niners fan. 
Well, here's what I'll say. I mean, obviously, and, and this is going to kind of sound dumb, but obviously Andy Reid has the advantage. One, he's been to a Super Bowl before, and so is Shanahan. But two, Andy Reid's won the Super Bowl twice, right? Yeah. I mean, as we're talking about a potential dynasty. If you win a Super Bowl, you know what it takes. You know what you need to do. You know how you need to prepare. You know what needs to be done to accomplish that goal, right? Shanahan has lost. Uh, he was a part of that Falcons loss that they they fell apart and and they lost to the the Chiefs and and they kind of fell apart too at the end, right? Yeah. So he's like, "What do I need to do to be better?" He's asking himself that. He's like, I, "We've played good for the first three or so quarters and then we fell apart, right?" So I, that's that's where I think the advantage is with Andy Reid. Yeah, and we've seen mediocre to poor quarterbacks win Super Bowls before, right? And the entire point of the Shanahan scheme is that I can win with elite playmakers and I don't need a top three quarterback. I need like a top 15 quarterback. And Brock Perry is certainly top 15, but he's not top three. He's not Josh Allen, Mahomes, or Burrow. And for the Shanahan kind of scheme to be you know, stamped, approved, whatever, by Kyle Shanahan, he needs to win with one of these guys. He needs to win this year. This is, I said it at the beginning of the year, if the Niners can stay relatively healthy, which they have been able to do for the most part this season, this team should win the Super Bowl based on pure talent alone. Kyle Shanahan needs this game for his legacy. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I, can, I, mean, I completely agree. I, I think the 49ers have to win this game. And, um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I just like to say, too, they have the advantage, right? Kansas City, a little more banged up than they are. I mean, obviously, uh, the 49ers lost their uh, big safety, uh, Hufanga. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Andy Reid said today, Joe Tooney, a long shot to play. Uh, Joe Tooney's no scrub. Massive He's loss. a solid player. Um, I'm not quite sure what the status is on, on Sky Moore and, and Jarek McKinnon, but I, I know they're both banged up as well. So it's a big advantage. And, and to have, you know, the fact that they've gotten this far with the, the workload that they've gotten out of guys like McCaffrey, Ayuk, I, I know Debo is a little banged up, but I think he's healthy now, right? The fact that they've kind of maintained these players that have in the past been banged up right and, and i mean you know mccaffrey's injury history and, and debo hasn't had the cleanest health history either the fact that they have him them near 100 percent is a key factor and i think they got this is the year to take advantage of it agreed and keeping with with things that are out of the team's control because this was a massive issue last year and we've already heard problems of it with the niners practice facility let's talk about turf problems Right, this is Allegiant Stadium um, in Las Vegas. Last year, players were complaining about the massive logos that were on the field, the big Super Bowl, um, you know, 57 logos that just took up a ton of space and were hard, you know, for it was slippery. Players had to change cleats. We saw players slip during last year's game, certainly. Then this year, we're kind of hearing those same problems in terms of practice field. And we can kind of tie this into officiating, too, because I feel like they're both in the general same category. These are things that, you, as a fan, you don't want to see affect the game, right? You want to see good officiating, not a big call in a big moment like last year, which, you know, was ticky-tack, and we've explained that, you know, at length. 
And you don't want to see the turf. You don't want to see a guy slip in a crucial moment. A guy trip and fumble. You don't want to see that because of the turf, right? And you want to see a clean game with the players making plays that win the game. Not officials making poor calls or ticky-tack roughing the passer calls. And that's because the officiating has been so bad and the turf has been an issue. That's a little bit of a concern for me. I don't know if you feel the same way on that. No, absolutely. And and the first thing, as soon as you said logos, the first person I thought of was Odell Beckham, right? Yeah. Was He was, honestly, I think if he stayed in the game, he was well on his way to win Super Bowl MVP. But that's a story for another day, right? Ran a route across the middle on the painted Super Bowl, big logo in midfield, tore his ACL, right? The Rams still found a way to pull it out, but, you know, that's something to think about. Because o- Odell was a big piece of that that team when they went on a run. But, yeah, he but scored going the first touchdown to, in that game. Yeah, I mean, going back to even last year, right, you heard a ton of players. The field conditions sucked. I mean, even on the TV, you could see all the grass that was torn up and everywhere. And, and you know, you know, players, that at least um, some of the Eagles players didn't make the excuse, right? It's the same turf for both teams. You got to figure it out. You got to change your cleats. So that that might be something to watch. You know, if players are changing out their cleats or or what they're doing to see if they can get a good grip. But I, I don't know if it's going to be the same turf that they're practicing with. That's on the field. But that's it, something that they got to test out during pregame warmups. Yeah, and swing going off of that too. It wasn't as you said. It wasn't like just the Eagles guys making excuses. Even the Chiefs players who won the game were saying, "Yeah, the turf was awful." And, you know, we've heard with injuries, which with at MetLife Stadium and that they have a high rate of non-contact, whatever. Um, but, I mean, certainly that's a concern. And let's let's get into kind of the X's and O's for a little bit. Let's start with the Chiefs on offense versus the Niners defense. So we've each pick, picked an X factor from each team on offense and defense. Uh, but we'll start with the Chiefs offense and the Niners defense. Um, Swin, how do the Chiefs win this game on the offensive side of the ball, who do you think is a key player, stuff like that? A key player? I mean, besides your your main guy like Mahomes, who, I mean, obviously, obviously if he sucks, they're going to lose. But they got to get Rasheed Rice involved. Rasheed Rice is going to yeah. be my offensive X factor for the Chiefs. Here's the deal, right? Rasheed Rice has, has proven again and again this year that he's been reliable. But one thing that concerns me, and, and this really isn't anything about Rasheed Rice, Sometimes when rookies get to the Super Bowl, they kind of, what's a good word, lose focus, right, Perry? That's, yeah, a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. They, they, they're like, oh, my God, I'm at the Super Bowl. And then in a blink of an eye, they're down three touchdowns, right? So he's got to come in prepared. They got to give him the ball. They got to get him going early so he stays focused, right? And you may think that's silly, but if Kelsey's the only one catching passes, it's going to be a long night for that Chiefs offense. Yeah, and, and, you know, obviously, Kelsey's a big game player. Kelsey's going to get his probably eight catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. That's why I think Kelsey's around what he's going to have this game, or at minimum. He might have a little bit more yards. But, you know, the supporting cast, and I, I chose Pacheco. I went the other um, member of that Chiefs offensive supporting cast. Both of these guys, though, Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, they need to find ways to get open and get the ball and. In terms of Pacheco, keep the defense honest, right? You want guys like Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw 
which I think you and I would agree is probably the best linebacker tandem in the league right now. Fred Warner, top three linebacker. Drake Greenlaw, top ten. But you want to get these guys thinking, okay, we can run some play action off this. We don't want these guys to be able to like drop back into their zones and kind of hit people coming across the middle. We don't want that to happen. Pacheco's a big piece of keeping that defense honest. Rasheed Rice is a big piece because now, you know, maybe you can't double Kelsey the entire game. Maybe you've got to look at Rasheed Rice a little bit. And Rasheed Rice, with his quickness and speed, really is the only guy, I would say, on the Chiefs that can really, like, break this game open in terms of a big play. Yeah, and um, building off of that, I mean, that middle linebacker tandem, not even just hitting people, right? They can pick the ball off and, and do some damage. So, yeah, that's that's something to watch for sure. Yeah, and so when continuing with the Niners' defense, um, we talked about Dre Greenlaw and uh, Fred Warner. But on defense, I think the pass rushers are extremely important. I know you do too, but who who's your X factor for the Niners' defense? The Niners' defense is, is Nick Bosa. Listen, right? Nick Bosa's got to show up, and I think he will. Because, I mean, you, you saw, you watched the Ravens game, right? There wasn't that much pressure on Mahomes. And when there was, they let him get out of the pocket or they bailed him out with the penalty, right? Nick Bosa needs to get a couple sacks here, at least. He's got to have more than one sack. If he doesn't, and, and Mahomes is comfortable in the pocket, they're, they're going to put up points. And, and if, if, you know, he sacks in big moments, right? If you can, if yeah. you get a sack on a third down to get him out of field goal range, that could win them the game. Or if you can get him get a sack and force them to punt instead of go for it, game changing plays, and he's a game changing player, and that's why he's an All Pro. I think he shows up in a big way this weekend. Yeah, and continuing on that thought, I went with Eric Armstead um, of the Niners. I agree, especially with Joe Tooney out. We've seen it time and time again with these quarterbacks, right? The best way to beat the best quarterbacks isn't necessarily pressure off the edge unless you've got a Nick Bosa, Lawrence Taylor type of guy. Not that Nick Bosa's anywhere near Lawrence Taylor was. But a guy that can beat him quick. Or you get pressure up the middle, right? Because they can't step up. Brady was so good. If somebody came off the edge, he would step up in the pocket. If a guy's in the middle, he can't do that. Without Joe Tooney, if Eric Armstead can get home on Mahomes and kind of force Mahomes to move side to side and then open the window for guys like Nick Bosa, Chase Young. That's going to be so important. And not just in the offensive, uh, and just not just in the pass game for Armstead as well, but the run game as well. We know how important Isaiah Pacheco is going to be to this team. And can he, you know, kind of fall to the run, make the Chiefs one-dimensional? Because the Chiefs, in terms of passing game weapons, aren't what they were, were in the past. If you can make this Chiefs offense one one-dimensional, then you have a chance. And I think Armstead's a big part of that. Yeah, and, and I mean, completely kind of flipping it on the other side here, right? Here's the, the, the Nick Bosa effect and the Eric Armstead effect, Fred Warner effect, will show, right? And one thing yeah. that makes me yeah. nervous, what do you think is going to make me the most nervous, Perry? I think quarterback scrambles. The false starts by the Chiefs, right? Ooh, I like that. Jawan Taylor had the most false start penalties in the NFL this year. Eight times. He had eight false start penalties. No other lineman in the NFL had more than six penalties. Yeah, false start holding. I'm definitely concerned. But let's... Yeah, for sure. That's something to look out for. I, that's going to hurt. That's really the one of the only things that can hurt Mahomes is the penalties. Yeah, because 
they don't have that Tyree Kill type to go deep. But let's switch. Let's start with the Niners offense before we get to the Chiefs defense. And Swin, we know we know the Niners offense has so many playmakers: Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, CMC, uh, Purdy. Who's the most important guy? Purdy. And listen, he's got to play pretty good this week for them to have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> listen, he's got to show up. Like I said. If if he, as you said, if he kind of pisses his pants, right, then you're in trouble. If he throws a pick, you're in trouble, right? If he plays like he did against the Ravens, you're done. And he's got to stay composed. And listen, the Super Bowl is going to be a close game. You're not going to blow him out. You're going to be down. you got to respond. You cannot lose your composure. This team will go as far as Brock Purdy is going to take him this week. Yeah, and Swin, to piggyback off of that, right, how do you make life easy for a young quarterback? Easy, simple reads. And a big part of that is Debo Samuel. I think, you know, CMC on the ground is going to be important. He always is important. He's the engine for this team. But if a guy like Debo Samuel can get open on, you know, little drag routes, little screen passes, and then take them, we know how dangerous he is yards after the catch. Maybe take him like 30 yards on a three-yard pass, and it's just 27 yards after the catch. That's how we make Brock Purdy's life easier. Get him going. To get Purdy under rhythm, a guy like Debo Samuel is so important. And George Kittle as well. Those two guys especially. They need to be easy options. Make yourself seem big, right? Get to the first down markers. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a little bit of a drag for the Niners at first, right? We've seen this happen. Usually the defense has come out a little bit ready and it takes the offensive time to adjust in the Super Bowl. But if a guy like, you know, is third and four, first drive of the game. Debo catches a you know little two yard drag, breaks a tackle, first down. Those add up over time. George Kittle five yard hitch route. Those add up, and that's how you make life easy for Brock Purdy. You don't want him throwing guns a blazing the first quarter. Let him hit the short passes, get in his rhythm, and then open it up down the field to guys like Ayuk. Right, and, and building off of that, right? Uh, you know the short passes, quick passes, right? Don't let yes. the defense get set in the coverage. Quick passes, get the ball out. Don't let your own lineman get beat. Quick passes. I completely agree. That's how they win this game. And let's let's go to the Chiefs defense because the fact of the matter is when they have a tall task, right? They have so many guys they need to worry about. Probably at the top of the list is CMC. But who do you think is the most important player on this defense for this game? I'm kind of going to piggyback off of your offensive pick. I'm going to go with Jerry Sneed because I would assume he's going to be on D-ball most of the game. And, as I mean, pretty much completely what you said i don't really want to repeat it but if you can take Debo out of this game and make him go to somebody else that's going to make it a lot harder for this 49ers offense but one thing that's going to be challenging for this defense is the 49ers have so many weapons yeah they have so many things they can do Debo's in the backfield Debo's in the slot Debo's on the outside kittle's blocking kittle's catching passes mccaffrey's catching passes right so many things you can do and, and, and here's what I'll say, right? You know, I could say, you know, the key is to stop Christian McCaffrey. But McCaffrey, you know McCaffrey's going to play well, right? He's going to get his. He's going to get his. You know he's going to get yards. But if you let him be single-handedly beat you, it's going to be very tough to win. So you got to try and take away those other pieces, which I think is more important. 
Yeah, and Lejerry Seen has been awesome during this playoff run, right? He's shut down the Stephon Diggs, shut down um Tyreek Hill. And then against the Ravens, they don't have receivers of that caliber, but still play a very good game. I'm going to go with Chris Jones, though. He was awesome in the Super Bowl against the Niners the first time around. He probably should have won MVP of that game, if we're being honest. If he, and I, as you said, McCaffrey's going to get his, but if he can slow down McCaffrey a little bit, really just stop the 10-yard runs, at least get a hit on McCaffrey earlier so it's three- or four-yard runs, make it a little harder for the Niners' offense, hopefully get in a couple third longs, then the defense can pin their ears back and go get Brock Purdy. And Chris Jones is so dangerous at that. He showed up in big moments before. I, I think he's a vital piece for that. And I think, as you said, like you got to pick your poison with the cheat, with the Niners offense. Who are you going to cover? Do you cover, you know, Debo and I, you can kind of just hope that McCaffrey, and let, kind of, not let McCaffrey run all over you, but in a way and kind of shorten the game that way. Or do you take away McCaffrey, sell for the run, but then that leaves you know fewer guys in coverage, and it's it's a really interesting dilemma. But I think that with Steve Spagnuolo being the defensive coordinator, one of the best in the business right now, the Chiefs are pro- definitely up for the challenge. Yeah, and I'll say this right, Chris Jones is really key because Steve Spagnuolo historically is a is a pretty heavy uh, blitzer, right? Yeah, he likes to rush the passer quite a bit, and if you speed up Brock Purdy and you make him make a mistake. That could win you the game, and that's why I think the 49ers need to get quick passes, like I mentioned earlier. And, Swim, before we get to the predictions and the MVP, let's go to our favorite prop bet for the day. You know, just fun little prop bets. Um, there's a million of them, heads, tails, Gatorade, color, song, whatever. Um, what's your favorite prop bet uh, for this game? <laughs> yeah, you know, I just I, I took a peek and I saw this, right? Travis Kelsey, a touchdown in the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh yeah. I mean, it's just fun. It's interesting. I feel like Kelsey, Kelsey always scores in the Super Bowl. He did in last year's Super Bowl fairly early. Um, obviously, Mahomes is going to look for him, just like he did against the Ravens. So um, I'm going to have my fingers crossed for that one. I, I like that one a lot. Um, I think Kelsey definitely scores. Uh, it's but, it's uh, plus 1,000 odds, too, just plus a thousand. to let everybody know. <laughs> 100 to win 1,000. I'm gonna go with Mahomes' first touchdown. It happened last year. Well, it's plus twenty two hundred. Um, I think the Chiefs go f- score first. I think it's either gonna be Mahomes or Kelsey. I think it's gonna be kind of on a quarterback rollout. Um, maybe it's just not gonna be there. The first read, he scrambles a little bit, kind of dives across the end zone. If you want to play a little bit safer, you can go as ATD at plus three eighty as well. I like that. I like those both. Yeah, that's you know, it's that's interesting because. I felt, uh, you know, watching them a lot this year, I felt like they've relied on Pacheco just a little more than they have in the past. So he might vulture your touchdown there, but I, I, it's, a, it's a solid call. Yeah. Um, Swin, your prediction and MVP for the Super Bowl, the last day of quick pick. Last quick pick. I'm going to go out with a bang. They're favored, but I feel like they're not because I feel like everybody's saying the Chiefs. Give me the 49ers. Why do I think because I'm a Patriots fan and I don't want the Chiefs to win and I don't want them to be mentioned as a dynasty? Absolutely. Do I like Patrick Mahomes? Eh, not really. Do I want to see him win? No. Do I want a great story and Mr. Irrelevant winning the Super Bowl? Hell, yes, I do. I say they win 41-35. Give me the 49ers. Your Super Bowl MVP, 
Christian McCaffrey will tear it up against the Chiefs. I, so I, I have to agree with a lot of what you said. I, I the part about Patrick Mahomes winning, no, I, I agree with a thousand percent. But I, I've told you before, this is the best defense the Chiefs have had under Mahomes. Offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. The Chiefs have been awesome this postseason run. Mahomes, I trust at the bigger stage more than Brock Purdy. Give me the Chiefs 27 23 MVP Travis Kelsey. And before you say, oh, you're just picking that because of Taylor Swift, let me let me give you some, you know, interesting stats, okay? Joe Montana, right? Consider the GOAT uh, before Tom Brady. What? Yeah, all right. There you okay, go. okay. I was Don't... kind of, you got me nervous there. Won four Super Bowls. He won three Super Bowl MVPs, okay? The third Super Bowl that he won, you know who won MVP? Jerry Rice. Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls, only won one Super Bowl MVP. Emmitt Smith won the second one. But the third one, Larry Brown, cornerback against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tom Brady, the time that he won three in four years. His third Super Bowl. Swin, do you think he won MVP in his third Super Bowl? No. Dion Branch. The voters, and this is pure, like, whatever. The voters You're reaching, bro. don't You're like reaching. give it to the same quarterback three times in a row. Um, I think Travis Kelsey wins Super Bowl MVP. I think he has. I said at minimum 875 a touchdown. He's going to get over 100 and score. Um, But we're on opposite sides again. Um, We've been on opposite sides a lot with the Chiefs lately. Yeah, you know, one thing, just a little side note, me knowing that you're a big Swifty, you're, you're definitely one of those guys that wants Kelsey to win MVP, so he proposed on the field. I, you're I, one, you're I, one of those losers. This is completely biased. I think I think that's just uh, nonsense. Give me a I break. want the Niners to win, but I think the Chiefs win. No, you, you want Taylor Swift to pre- get proposed to by Kelsey. That's what you want. That's that's and, and it's not gonna happen on a loss. So Tay you're too much of a Swifty for that. Alright. We'll agree to disagree, but let's I'm I'm a Niners fan Sunday. But yeah, I just well, well uh yeah, you'll agree on uh next week when the 49ers win the Super Bowl. I'll tell you that. And I'll say I wanted the Niners, but I picked the Chiefs. Yeah, whatever. Alright. Um let's switch gears here. Swin and I have been having, you know, a little debate about a certain NBA player. And he's out for four weeks with a left knee sprain. And before we get to the debate about Joel Embiid, Swin, let's just talk about the Sixers as a whole for right now. Because they are sliding. And I I think you would agree. I think Tyrese Maxey is a very good player. But he's not a number one in this league. And the the Sixers just don't have a lot of pieces around Maxey right now. I mean, sure, they have Tobias Harris and guys like that. But, I mean... This Sixers team is in danger of honestly falling all the way into the plan. Yeah, I, I mean, so a report came out today that Joel Embiid is going to miss at least four weeks-ish. Probably more than that based on what I heard. What I've been reading, what I've heard, right? And, and you know, uh, just kind of building off of what you said. The, the 76ers are in complete financial like confusion right now right and this all started a couple years ago when they gave tobias harris an absurd amount of money it it was ridiculous 
way too much for a guy like Tobias Harris. Let me see if I can I can find it. Yeah, five years, one eighty. Jesus. You know who they chose? To, they paid him over. Guess Jimmy who, Perry? You know who Jimmy it is. Butler. Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that was the downfall of this team, right? So I agree. Tyrese Maxey, great player. He's an all-star, not a number one. But what makes him so special so special, is that Embiid spaces, helps him kind of space the floor, gives him space to create shots, blah, blah, blah. Tyrese Maxey will drop, you know, he dropped 50 a couple nights ago, but you also have nights... Like last night, we only dropped 15, and they almost lost by, like, 25 points. Uh, they, You know, I slightly disagree. They don't really have pieces to build around. I mean, Kelly Oubre's okay. Patrick Meh. Beverly's on the older side. Yuck. I mean, who else is on the bench here? Like, I literally have to go Google the Philadelphia roster. Daniel to, House. To, to see. He's okay, but it's like, it's like the Houston Rockets because they had um, – uh, who's the Daryl Morey's the the GM now, right? And this downfall started. The, the first mistake was Jimmy Butler. They let him walk. Look how that turned out. Awful. Their second mistake was trading for James Harden. Well, not like Ben Simmons was any good, but look at what <laughs> happened to that. That was a disaster, right? So now they're left with a, a bunch of a, a ragtag pieces, and and Paul Reed's solid, and and you know Robert Covington's solid, but other than that, they suck. It, this team is Joel Embiid. Stink, stank, stunk, swing. Um, and yeah, they've had a number of draft misses. You didn't even talk about Markel Fultz, um, who they drafted instead of Jason Tam as well. And actually traded up to draft Markel Fultz, I should add. They, they could have had Jalen Brown too, I think, right? Didn't they yeah, drop Ben Simmons yep. over him? Yep, they took Ben Simmons over Jalen Brown too. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a, I would say it's a mess in Philly, but... You know, the Cavs are playing well. The Knicks are playing well. The Pacers look decent. There's, there's, the Heat are never to be counted out. There's a realistic scenario where they fall to the seventh spot. They just got to kind of stay afloat until if, when, and B comes back. But, Swin, let's, let's talk about the debate we were having because the debate was centered around should Joel Embiid or should the 76ers explore train Joel Embiid? And let's, Let's just start off with this, right? Explore means that they should call around, seeing what they can get for Joel Embiid, right? Your thoughts? Uh, absolutely, and trust me, I'm a Kansas fan. Joel Embiid went to Kansas. I love Joel Embiid. Don't get Joel me wrong, but you're at the point where you have to. You don't have a choice. He's an, I get it. He's the reigning MVP of the league, but you have to at least explore. Am I saying make a trade? I'm not. Because honestly, I don't even know who would want him. But you have to at least start to look. We are getting to that point where you have to look. So so here's my thing, right? Jombie's the ring NBA MVP. He's going to have suitors, period. Does he have injury problems? Yes. At his best, is he a top five player in this league? Yes. Would I take the top five player for 50 or so games? Yes. Assuming he can stay healthy for the playoffs. Joel, if, 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 you know, for example, I'm trying to think of a team, but let's say Brooklyn, right? Because they, they don't really have a center that I can think of off the top of my head. Let's say Brooklyn, and they do have picks. Let's say Brooklyn calls up, you know, Philly and says, how much would it cost for Joel B? That's one thing. But the 76ers shouldn't go say, hey, Brooklyn, how much would you give up for Joel Embiid? 
that's a completely different conversation. This guy just won NBA MVP. If he had stayed healthy for 65 games, he'd probably win MVP this season too. So, yeah, sh- yeah sure, Swin. But if, you know, if Jason Tam wasn't a bum, the Celtics would already have a title. We could, we could play the if game all day. Well, that's that's the- exactly. Swin, you do not trade an NBA MVP a year after he wins MVP. You just don't do that. You don't. Thank you. I, I agree, but I mean, what does the MVP do when he's sitting on the bench in street clothes? Nothing. And I, I get that. I get that. But no, we just talked you about You don't how, get it. The Sixers have nobody, Swin. They at least have a... It's not easy. You exactly can't just, my point. You can't you just... can't even win with Joel Embiid. How are you, you going to win without him? You don't just... Fine. What would a trade package look like? If it, Like, just a... Give like a, I don't know, just a rough estimate. You know, not exact, but. I mean, it's, you know, this is crazy to say, but I guess you kind of have to base it off of the Rudy Gobert trade, right? I mean, look at what they fleeced, fleeced for him, right? So, I mean, you're getting, it depends what team you call, right? But I'll, 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 I mean, Brooklyn's not a great example, but. You know, you need a young all-star like, you know, I'm not saying he's an all-star, but McCall Bridge is a really what about- good player. What about uh, – I don't want to do that because Chet's there. But what about Oklahoma City in terms of picks? Because they have a ton of picks. I think that's a great fit, honestly. Now, you, you, you got to get – like the tough part is for these teams, right, is you're going to give up young players. And it's hard to pinpoint a player who you trade for him because Joel Embiid doesn't play. And why would you screw that up? All right, Swin, should, should, should the Oklahoma City Thunder give up Chet and three first-rounders for Joel Embiid? Is that? I think that's a fair I call. Wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I'm the Thunder, I would not do that. No. So here's the, here's the thing, right? I I wouldn't do it either, but that doesn't mean that I don't that I think Joel Embiid should be traded. I just think Embiid is. There's only there's these guys that win MVP don't come around often. You know, you can have Jason Tam hasn't won an MVP. Devin Booker has come nowhere close. Kevin Durant only has one MVP, right? These guys don't just, you know, grow on trees. And if you give up, if you give your pickup picks up, you know, for Joel Embiid and these picks, the team that traded for Embiid is inevitably going to get better, right? These picks aren't going to be, you know, the first overall pick, the second overall pick, the third overall pick. The only case in which this happened was the Celtics, and they got lucky because they absolutely fleeced Brooklyn by trading, uh, you know, an mummy. And Kevin Durant is zombie and Paul Pierce, and that's the only reason they got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in what's probably the best trade in franchise history. But you know, if you trade them to a team, they're going to get better. These picks aren't going to be top ten; they're probably going to be middle of the first round at least, because Embiid's good enough to at least bring a team there. And and that's that's my concern. That's why you shouldn't trade him. You're better off with Embiid. Now, if Embiid requests a trade or if he continues getting injured, that's a different conversation. But he just what do you mean MVP continues last? getting injured? He's missed almost 50% of the games he's played in the league. Yeah, but he missed his first two seasons. When How many games has he missed since then? He's, he's probably out for the rest of this season. Look. I'll, I'll, let's just fly through it. Just because just I'm, I'm looking at it right now, right? You got 31. 63. All right, he played. 64. He played. We're dipping back into the 40s for two more years. 
And then you got, you're in the 50s. And then you had last year where he barely qualified for the MVP because you need 65 games. He played 66, just, just to barely qualify. This year he's at 34. And I'm going to assume he's probably not going to come back, is my guess, this year. He's probably done for the year. You're, you're in the, most of the time, you're, you're barely scraping 50. Okay. But he's an MVP, Swing. Well, he, I understand that. But an MVP starting on your bench doesn't do anything. It's like, it's exactly what happened. It's very, I'm getting very similar shades to what happened to Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was the whole franchise. He didn't play. They couldn't do anything. They had to move on. It's a, he's pretty much Derrick Rose, but Embiid's better than Derrick Rose. I'll give you that. But Okay, but Derrick but, Rose on, one is second, also one second, one second. Here. One second. I just read the bench that Philadelphia has. I want to say this. If Joel Embiid's healthy, still a second-round exit. This team is not getting to a championship or a finals in the East, and you have nobody to trade to get better. Who's going to want that Tobias Harris contract? Nobody. You're not going to trade Maxi because he's too young, he's too valuable, he just made an all-star game. There's nobody else on that team that, that anybody wants. It, it, it sucks because he's basically the whole basketball team, but you're not in the business. You're not in the business to be good. You're in the business to win. And this team, you're not going to win – Anything. Swin, ready? This is a player since 2018-2019, okay? I'm just going to read you his games played. I'm not going to include this year. 55-67-45-56-55. You want to know who that is? Anthony Davis, probably. That's LeBron James. Okay? These guys yep. don't... You, you Do you want Anthony Davis? I can give you Anthony Davis. I have it right here. LeBron's 39 years old. He's been in the league for 21 years. LeBron hasn't won out. an MVP since 2013. And you still wouldn't trade him. Ready? Anthony Davis, since, since 2018-2019. 56, 62, 36, 40, 56. That's not including this year. First of all, shame on you even comparing LeBron James to Joel Embiid. I'm not. Joel Embiid, yes, you are. Because Joel Embiid is not anywhere near the GOAT position. LeBron is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Of course you're not going to trade him. Come on, Perry. Okay, what about, what about Anthony Davis? I just read you those numbers. I w Personally, I would trade Anthony Davis right now. I so what players would. in the league would you not trade? 500. You, you, and he's proven to be, he's like Joel Embiid. He doesn't stay healthy. What Swin, does but these guys don't just, do? Swin, these guys don't just grow on trees. You can't just trade people for imaginary picks and players. That's not how the league works. Get it, but when you stare, when the tree gets cut down and you try and stare at it, it's not there. At least plant something for it to grow another tree. Swin. Right. Plays, even hold on. Even if Embiid played all seventy-two games this year, where are they gonna go? They're gonna go to Cancun in about three months. Swin, they'd be the three seed in the, in the East. Are you in the league? Okay. Are you? Are you, would you run a basketball team to be the three seed every year and get bounced in the second round, or would you try and go win a championship? 
Swin, I, I hear what you're saying, but the team is better with, with Joel Embiid than without him. And the team still sucks. Swin, ready? Here's oh, another God. guy. Here's another guy. 2018, 2019. 60, 57, 52, 52. Kawhi Leonard. Would you would you trade would you explore trading Kawhi Leonard? But the difference is is you have Paul George around him. Paul George Paul wasn't George. an all-star. Tyrese Maxey was. Paul George can get it done by himself. Tyrese Maxey can't use that. Paul George, Paul George cannot get it done by himself at this stage of his career. That is an uh, that is an awful argument. We just said 2018. He wasn't he a top three MVP the year before that? That was 2018. No, that was, just I just read you 2018. Quietly. It's 2024. I know what year it is. The Clippers had a roster surrounding them. So, the so what have is a excuse me a crappy Tobias Harris on a terrible contract and Tyrese Maxey. That's it. The Clippers had pieces around him. Swin, what about this guy? 77, 35, 50, 74, 29. Carl or Anthony Towns? I'd trade him. The Timberwolves aren't. The Timberwolves, <laughs> no, I'd trade him. Absolutely, okay. I'd trade him. Well, that's. <laughs> I would that, say that's that might be a bad though. comparison. Because, yeah, hold on. One thing also, oh, this is a, a debate for another day, but Carl Anthony Towns loves to mail it in. And, and that's, a, and that's, that's actually a very good point. Yeah, that, that wasn't your best comparison you, you, you could have pulled up. I like the Kawhi Leonard one. I, yeah. Well, you're not going to trade Kyrie because, uh, excuse me, you're not going to trade Kawhi because the roster around Kawhi is better than Embiid. That, you, that's a fact. That, does, Am I that, wrong doesn't, for saying that doesn't make any sense. Supporting pieces around Kawhi than the, the supporting cast that Joel Embiid has. True or false? Swin, how many MVPs does Kawhi Leonard have? Zero, if I believe. He has zero, okay? All right, all right. How many finals MVPs does Kawhi Leonard have? Two. Oh, there you go. He's won. He's done it before. And sure, he's did it with Tim Duncan, but it's exactly my point. Is you have to get players around Joel Embiid to win, but the problem is, is you have no... Cap space to do it because you sign players like uh, you sign players like Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. If you sign Jimmy Butler instead, completely different story. They probably have but made the, a finals. Absolutely, and this and and we'll be ha we'll be having a completely different conversation right now. But the problem is, is you can't move anybody to make this team better. But that's my point. Swin, Swin, in three years, would the Sixers be better without Joel Embiid than with Joel Embiid? In three years, well, you'd have to see how it plays out because at this point, Swin, I'm right now, because no, he doesn't guess. And by then, and by then, Joel Embiid's going to be 32 years old. Okay, so would the. But here's the deal. Hold on. One more thing, right? Sure. Be gonna be putting up thirty-five a game when he's thirty-two. I can't say that. But if he's getting if he's getting hurt now, you're telling me he's all of a sudden not gonna get hurt when he gets older? No, that's not how that works. Swin. But here's the thing: is it's a completely different conversation if Philly goes and makes a splash in free agency. Then if you sign a player, 
you don't trade Joel Embiid. But the way the roster is built today, Tuesday, February 6th, you explore. I'm not even saying trade him. You look. I'm not saying pull the trigger. I probably wouldn't trade him if I'm Philly. But you at least have to look. You can't look around with your best player. If you look around, you got to trade him. Would you? If this, I disagree. Hypothetically. Swin, Swin. If the Boston Celtics right now explore trading Jason Tatum, what would you say? But it's different. They Why? Have a Why is it different? Because they have a roster around Tatum. They don't need to to win a championship. This, you're telling me the 76ers are going to win a cha- have a shot at a championship this year if Joel Embiid's healthy. They have a better shot this year. They have, they have a, a better, a shot. better shot. They have no, a be- they don't. They have a better shot of winning a championship in the next three years by keeping him than trading him. Period. Sure. But he doesn't. My whole point, we're going in circles here. The whole point, he's like, he doesn't play. How can you have a better shot if he's, he's, like, he's like Anthony Davis, which is why I would trade him. Anthony Davis gets hurt so much, they call him Anthony Street Clothes Davis. Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid is trending towards the same boat, and I love Embiid, but you cannot win in a league if your superstar is hurt. I don't care if it's it's fifth grade. I don't care if it's high school, JV, college. You will not see teams win games when their best player is out. Okay, that's that's great, but but how is the team better off without Joel Embiid? Because they need to rebuild. Because they, because Joel. Okay. Here's what okay. I'm wait, 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 you wait, gotta, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You have to trade Joel Embiid to recuperate pieces to give this team a shot. Because he is the only piece on the team that people actually want. Because respectfully, the rest of the team sucks. I take. I take Maxi. Trade Maxi for who are you gonna get for Tyrese Maxi? Because that's a whole nother conversation. If you trade Maxi and you get a superstar, sure you keep Embiid. But at this point, you've got to build young. Because what has Philly done in the playoffs in the past, like, five years? They so, lost in the first round, lost in the second round, lost by a, a bizarre shot by Kawhi Leonard, lost again, lost again, lost again. So, Swin, so at the heart of it, you're saying that the 76ers should rebuild? They're getting close. I mean, if Joel Embiid can't stay healthy, then they don't have a choice. Yeah, got absolutely. Got it. Okay, um... <laughs> That was the Joel Embiid segment. Swin and I have been having this discussion for the past week. Um, well, think about it. If you have a, 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 he's 29 right now, and he's already missed a, almost half of his career, who's another young player that like this, right? Like, think about a player that's healthy, that's always there, and, and, and cut his games in half and see what that team would do. They'd do absolutely nothing. Yeah. I mean, I mean... I, I hear where you're coming from, but I, I wouldn't do it this year. Next year is a different conversation. If he if he gets hurt again next year, that's a different conversation. Well, what's one year difference gonna make? Well, because you get a Swin, year head start. Swin, Swin, let's see how the Sixers finish out this season. Maybe they show something. Well, they're four and eleven without Embiid this year. Let me tell you, you know what I would do based on this, and I don't promote this at all, except for the Patriots this year. But honestly, if you tank <laughs> If you tank and you get a high pick, you trade that pick, and if you get someone decent, different conversation. So when they so already might, so when they might have won too many games already, you tank. Well, you got to give it a shot because that team's gonna get that team is probably gonna get swept if Embiid doesn't come back. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, before we head out uh, for this episode, let's talk about the Celtics a little bit. They've kind of hit a rough patch. We saw the Lakers game last week where they basically lost to JV Lakers team. We've they dom they dominated up on the Grizzlies, but still they just don't seem right. Um, Jalen Brown's back to playing mediocre basketball after probably having the best stretch of his career. Derek White recently has been the most inconsistent player on the team. Drew Holiday's found his footing. But Swin, you know, I I just want to know your thoughts on how do you feel about the Celtics right now in terms of winning the championship than ten than two weeks ago, better, worse, or the same? Um, I'll put it this way. I'm a little nervous. Yeah. That's not really that's kind of dodging the question. I think they are still gonna have a really good shot, especially based on what I've seen from Milwaukee, because they've been disappointing. Bad. But I'll say this, right? And I we talk about this so much, but I'm gonna say it again. The problem with the Celtics is they don't know when to stop shooting. When the when the shots go in, keep shooting. Look at what happened to Miami. They absolutely torched them. But what they did against the Pelicans is they got down and they tried to shoot their way out of it. And, well, you could say that about the Lakers, too. Yeah. They don't know when to stop shooting. They, they you know, they go over 10. I mean, even Scal said it, right? They missed their first couple of shots. They're all mopey. You've eliminated yourself from the game mentally. I... And you keep, you keep shooting and you keep missing. And next thing you know, instead of 10, you're down 25 and you're done. And that's what happened against the the Lakers the other night. They should absolutely crush them. I hate them. I hate their playing philosophy. Like I like when like go to the rim. Like late in games, late game execution. They got to that Lakers game. They got down one at one point. They were down four, down six. Go to the rim in close games. I I don't care if you know they take way too many. I way too many threes. Go to the rim, please. Because let me tell you something. I don't care who does it. Just somebody get to the paint at least twice every possession. I don't care. Tatum's baseline jumper has become his money shot. It's become Chris Ball or Paul Pierce from the elbow, sure. But can we please, like, Al Horford from the corner has not been good. And he's had a bad season, by the way. I don't know if you agree with that. But I wonder who called that one. <laughs> but... They gotta stop shooting late in games. It's here's what I'll say because oh, they gotta sorry, get finish. Swin, and not only because you know the layups, the high percentage shot, put teams in the bonus, get fouls on these teams early. They only had two team foul. The Lakers only had two team fouls against the Celtics the other night because this team doesn't go to the rim. So fr- so f- I hate the way that they play. I got, I got two more things just to wrap up briefly. One, I will say that it is encouraging is the accountability that this team has. You, you've heard Joe Mazzulla. You know, some may like it, some may hate it. He's like, I like being down. We're not going to win every team. Well, every game, I agree. I want to win every crush game. every game. I agree. I get that, but that's not realistic, Perry. And, and, and here's what I'll say. The team is taking a lot of accountability. It's unacceptable. Yada, 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 yada. There. Maybe they're just saying that to the media. Maybe yeah, they they're just it. saying that. Either. Who knows? Here you go. I got one thing for you before I, I think we wrap this up. Denver, right? You'd say they're probably going to make the finals. Denver, the Clippers right now, right? In the, in the yeah. West. Denver, this is on, um, what day was this? January 29th, so a couple days ago. They played Milwaukee. Now, this was Doc Rivers' first game. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. 
Denver beat them by six, 113 to 107. Now, here's what stands out to me, and, and you'll see how I, 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 can, I kind of piece this together. Denver shot 48% from the field, right? They, they hit, as you mentioned, ton of free throws. They 21 out of 24. Milwaukee hit 19 out of 25, right? So pretty even so far. Here's what I'll say. Milwaukee shot 16 from 40 from three. That's 40 points. That's going to win you a lot of games. Denver, 4 for 18, 22% from the three, and they still won this game by six. And they shot 22% from the wow. three. They said, listen, shots aren't falling. We're going to go to the paint. They outscored Milwaukee in the paint 58 to 26, and they won. And that's wow. what's going to make them a championship team. And, and, and uh, let me tell you, if I'm the Celtics, I'm showing them this. Because if you, based on the stats, if you read the stats, you say, oh, Denver got their ass kicked. But Denver won by six. So something to think about, especially as, you know, Denver's a team that's probably going to be playing the Celtics if they make the finals. Something to look out for. But they knew when to stop shooting at 18 threes. The Celtics are taking 45-plus threes, it feels like, at least 40 every game. So that's just something to think about for next week and as the season progresses on. That That's that's. Re- really, really eye-opening. Only 18 threes. And look, obviously they have the Joker who's like the ultimate chess master and can do whatever he wants. But they got get... I feel like every game that the Celtics play, they lose the free throw battle, which is, you know, another conversation. But that'll do it for us today, guys. Thank you for listening to our Super Bowl episode. Um, Lil Embiid, Lil... Lil got a little heated um, here, but... We'll probably continue this and as the season progresses, too. Yeah, we're I'm not, sure. We're not done talking about him. This discussion is not going away, but stay tuned for next week. We're going to recap the Super Bowl, do a little all-star stuff. Um, and then Swim, we've got March Madness coming up. Um, a lot of different topics, spring training, truck days coming up. I believe it's the 24th. Um, truck day was already sent, I believe. Truck day was like yesterday. Oh, really? See, yeah. see how much, see how little I care about the Red Sox win? Um, the truck was sent down and I said, oh, I can't wait for another terrible season. <laughs> It was like it was like my happiness left in the truck down to Florida. <laughs> but, but we'll get into Bruins and Red Sox topics here. Um, as always, please visit our website, www.fromballparks.buzzerbeers.com. Our Instagram is there. Our Gmail is there. Our Twitter is there. Guys, please DM or email us any positive or negative feedback. We love hearing from you guys. Segment ideas, especially with the NFL season wrapping up. We're kind of hitting, I wouldn't say a dead spot on the sports schedule, but you know, more of like season-based stuff in terms of week-to-week, so anything like We're transitioning. Transitioning. We're in a transition period. Perfect phrasing. Um, but anything like that, please reach out, even if you want to be on the show. Um, but that'll do it for us today. I'm Perry Mortinos, alongside my co-host, Ryan Swimmer, signing out with the From Ballparks to Beers, From Ballparks to Buzz Beers podcast. Have a good one, everybody.